What is up, everybody? Welcome into Locked on Tigers. I am your host, Chris Castellani. thought the audio levels sounded a bit odd on yesterday's show. I don't know what the issue is. I don't know, man. It just seems like every day something something new is, is arising in my life to try to screw with me. But uh, either way, let's move on. It is Wednesday, September 23rd, two thousand. And 20 Tigers lost last night, got walked off in extra innings. A long game, a long game. My goodness, was that a long game. Oi vey. Uh, maybe it was the late start time, 740. I don't know why they're starting these games at 740, but they did. And maybe it was the fact it went to extra innings. It felt long. It felt long, a lot of pitching changes, a lot of long at-bats, and ultimately it, re- it resulted in a Detroit Tigers loss, a 4-3 to loss at the hands of the Minnesota Twins. Uh, Incidentally, the Tigers are kind of in the thick of things at this point, not in the playoff race by any means, but in the thick of things in the sense that other teams are scoreboard watching. I mean, the Indians walked off the White Sox last night, Jose Ramirez with a three-run home run to walk it off a crushing loss for the White Sox, who are now only a half game up on the Minnesota Twins. Would have stayed at one and a half if the Tigers would have been able to hold that lead in extra innings last night. They did not, ultimately losing 5-4 to four. on the mound for the Tigers was Tarek Skubal. You know what I, I've I've noticed now? For a minute there, every one of his and Mize's starts was fascinating. Even if they were getting crushed, I was into it. I, even if they were struggling, I was into it. I wanted to figure out why they were struggling. What can they fix? Now, and maybe maybe I'm impatient, but now it's just like, all right, well, I'd, I'd like to see some results. Wow, wow, another start which couldn't get through four innings. Three and two-thirds for Scooball, four hits, two earned runs, two walks, and six strikeouts. Strikeout numbers, strikeout numbers there. Again, two home runs. Another leadoff home run to begin a game. That is the third time in which Tarek Scooball has given up home runs to start off a game. In his young major league career, he's done it three times. Matt Boyd does it every other start. I, I said this with Matt Boyd. Apparently, I, I thought maybe it was a mental block because he was doing it to back-to-back guys. I don't know what it is, man. I don't know if it's the old Rick Anderson special. You got to establish the fastball, but God, is it annoying. It's just an absolute momentum killer. You know, a real back-and-forth affair. Tigers lucked out, got a run on an error um, on a ground ball by Austin Romine. That tied the game. They would take the lead. And then in the bottom of the eighth inning, Max Kepler hit a home run off of Buck Farmer to tie it. Tigers got one in the top of the 10th. And then in the bottom of the 10th, I mean, you got two, I mean, seeing eye singles, bloop singles, uh, Eddie Rosario single to drive in the run. That was already on second because of the stupid extra inning rule. Sano and Garver struck out. And then uh, Max Kepler singled on the bloopiest of bloop singles to left field, scoring uh, Rosario after Rosario stole second. Feel bad for Brian Garcia, whose stuff I thought was fine last night. He's been so good for this baseball team. I mean, that is it goes to show why blown saves are such a deceptive stat. He did nothing to blow that save. He gave up one hit, and that qualifies as a blown save. He would end up taking the loss. Only one of those runs was earned because the Twins started with a runner on second base. Uh, there was one major positive I took out of this game, and that's that I thought Daz Cameron's seeing the ball a bit better near the bottom of the lineup. The numbers are still terrible, 154 average and a 452 OPS, but two for four yesterday, two really hard-hit doubles. You know, the general consensus on him has been that his ceiling is pretty high. Like, when he hits, he can hit for power. He has tremendous speed. He can play the, the field very well. It's just been the bat, and that makes me very skeptical. 
quite honestly. Like, I think, I mean, there, and I'm sure there's exceptions. Like, Jose Iglesias, I think, might be one of those minor exceptions where, like, a guy didn't hit in the minor leagues and then turned out to be a fairly productive hitter at the major league level. Not to say Jose Iglesias is some star hitter, but he was better, I think, as a hitter and has been better as a hitter than some people expected him to be. But 99% of the time, if you're not hitting in the minor leagues, you're not going to hit in the major leagues. And that's why I have serious doubts about Daz Cameron. That's why I have serious doubts about Derek Hill. That's why I have doubts about a lot of these guys who didn't put up great numbers down in the minor leagues. It's a different show once you get to the show. And I worry about these guys' ability to be productive. One thing really bothered me last night and yesterday was not one of my good days and so it was one of those days where I was kind of looking for something to be angry about and I did in the fourth inning Scooby loaded the bases was about to go up against Buxton I believe and McClendon pulled him Scooball is at 78 pitches now I if he would have gotten out of that fourth inning and then they pulled him I'd have been like all right fine you know pitch count if he would have stayed around for one more inning probably would have reached around 100 no need for that I adamantly adamantly disagree with the decision to pull him there. And this is so unlike me because a couple weeks ago, I agreed with the decision to pull Mize in the sixth inning against the White Sox. Sixth inning against the top of the White Sox order is different than fourth inning against the Twins. It just is. There comes a point where you do need to stretch these guys a little bit. And the pitching change, it was not about you know, worried about Scooball getting rocked. It was so obvious. It was it was Lloyd McClendon's audition tape for the managerial role. He's trying to prove himself as a hip young cat. He was he's playing the numbers. He'll hire me, Al. Hire me. I know what I'm doing. I'm all about analytics, and it was just so pathetic. I haven't really discussed this. I talked about Hinch, but there's one guy. If the Tigers hired his manager, I would be over the moon about. That's AJ Hinch. There's one guy that I would be adamantly against and angry about. That's Lloyd McClendon. In the middle, you have a hundred names that I would say, huh, all right. Like, there's some I would be more happy with than others. Like, I don't really think Freddie Gonzalez would do a great job here. I don't think Mike Redmond would do a particularly great job here, but I'd be more fine with them than I would McClendon. I'd prefer somebody younger, to be honest, and by younger, I mean under 50. But yeah, he was he was so obviously managing with the sense of urgency like it was a playoff game. It was a mixture of the Tigers, I think, trying to play spoiler for the Twins, and McClendon trying to prove his worth as a manager. You had your shot, dude. You had your shot in Pittsburgh. You had your shot in Seattle. You flamed out of both. You were terrible there. You were the hitting coach last season for the worst offense, to me, in the history of the sport. So, I don't know. I think he's remarkably underqualified to manage a major league team at this point. I don't think he's ever done anything uh, to deserve it. I think giving him an interview is completely silly. But I get it. He's been in the organization for a long time for reasons totally beyond me. He's just kind of failed upwards and been a bench coach for teams that were pretty good during the Leland years. I don't think he did anything in particular. I don't know why I'm so fascinated by this man. I seem to talk about Lloyd McClendon a lot. He just There's something about him that just gets under my skin. It's not even him. It's the organization's decision to keep him around. The Tigers' offense last year was so terrible that any other organization would have told Lloyd McClendon to pack his suitcase and kick rocks. The idea, the fact that they brought him back and allowed him to be in the dugout this season, it it just shows how stupid they are. Stop employing people because you like them, please. I'm sure he's a nice guy. I'm sure he's a very cordial, kind person. That's great. A lot of guys are. That doesn't mean they're good at their job. That doesn't mean they're good at, at, at baseball. He wasn't the reason the Tigers lost, by the way, last night. Like, I, you know, I don't know why I'm so angry at the guy. Maybe I'm just looking for a punching bag. 
at this point. Not much else to discuss. You know, it was a, a difficult loss, I'm sure, for them. I, I don't care. We're limping to the finish line here. I already went off yesterday about my disappointment in this season as a whole, both with the Tigers and all around Major League Baseball. When I get back, I'm going to preview tonight's game. I am going to talk about a piece that Jeff Passan tweeted yesterday regarding the potential draft order for 2021. It did not make me happy. We'll be right back. Can the Guinness Book of World Records give 2020 world's greatest delay of game? Even though sports had a break, your business didn't. You have to keep moving. And that makes hiring more important than ever. Indeed is here to help. Indeed.com is the number one job site in the world because Indeed gives you the best people fast. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need, and you can pause your account at any time, and there are no long-term contracts. Plus, Indeed provides powerful tools to make your search that much easier. Like sponsored jobs, which are shown to be three and a half times more likely to result in a hire. With 73% of online job seekers visiting Indeed each month, Indeed is going to get you the important hire you need, just like they have for over 3 million businesses. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash MLB. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash MLB. Terms and conditions apply. Offer valid through September 30th. All right, we're back. So before we preview tonight's pitching matchup, I do want to talk about something that Jeff Passan tweeted and a lot of other people tweeted yesterday that said that this year's draft order, I'm sorry, technically next year's draft order, is likely to be based solely on the records of this 60-game season here in 2020. You know what's weird is I'm not surprised by this. The deeper this thing went along, I I realized, you know what, Manfred's going to do whatever the hell he wants to do, and that was his decision. It's crushing to me as a Tiger fan, and I got into arguments with people on Twitter, both uh, you know on my feed and in private messages. I think it's a big deal. Like, why have they sucked for four years? Why have they been absolute garbage for four seasons if not to accumulate top five draft picks? And I look, I get the argument to a certain extent. I do. I get the argument that, you know what, if you develop well, there ain't much difference between the 20th pick and the 5th pick or the 1st pick and the 10th pick. That That is a solid argument for most organizations. The fact is, the Tigers have shown zero capability of developing draft picks other than top five picks. You want to say Matt Manning? Sure. As far as I'm concerned, this season has been a disappointment for Matt Manning. Matt Manning looked terrible in spring. He looked even worse in summer camp. And, you know, I'm sure I'm sure he's going to be fine. She's going to be very good. He's got excellent stuff. But he didn't pitch here. He got injured this year. He should have made his Major League debut in 2020, and he didn't. He's been in the organization for five years now, or it will be five years by the time next year's draft rolls around. He, he should probably be here by now, and he's not. Not saying he's going to be bad, but, like, everyone says, oh, well, he, he went, you know, 10th overall or 15th or whatever it was overall. You know, it was following the 2015 season. So I think they had, what, the, the 10th overall pick that year? That's still, a, a, like, a, considered a lottery pick, right? Like, you should be hitting home runs with guys like that. Besides that, Mize, who 
jury's still out on him. I'm just saying, Mize, number one overall pick. Riley Green, fifth overall pick. Torkelson, first overall pick. Who else? Who is their other key guy in this organization that you can look at and say, you know what, they did a great job developing him. Wow, that was a diamond in the rough that Alavila found. Scooball? Sure. Scooball was a ninth-round pick. That was that was a genuine surprise. It was also, and you could say I'm being pessimistic, and, and look, if Avila develops one of these guys or they find some diamond in the rough, like, I've been complimentary of how they've developed Victor Reyes since they took him in the Rule 5 draft, but, like, I think Scooball is more so a story of luck for them. This was a guy who a lot of people viewed as damaged goods because he'd had Tommy John surgery, gets to the minor leagues, and really shows his stuff. But, hey, that's one. That's one guy in a five-year stretch that they've uh, that they've been able to develop that wasn't a top-five pick. Kristen Stewart has been an absolute disaster. They thought he was going to be so great. Oh, my God. He's going to be this team's starting left fielder. And wrong! Kristen Stewart has been awful. It wouldn't surprise me if he never sees a major league ball field again. He's been abysmal. They thought he was going to be so great. Oh, man. He's been great. He's hit for power down in the minor leagues. He's going to be wonderful for this team. Not now. No. No. Not at all. Zero. Zero chance. Parade ace. Jury is still out. Jamer doesn't count. He didn't play in the minor leagues in Detroit. The only semblance of player development that has been shown during the Advila administration has been through top five picks. So yes, I think it's beneficiary for this team to get another top five pick. And the fact that Manfred, this absolute fool, this insane clown commissioner, came up with this idea of, ah, screw it. Let's base an entire team's potential future around a 60-game joke of a season. We're going to base the draft order on a 40% of a baseball season. And ultimately, and this, I tweeted this out, and I am, this is so unlike me. I never call conspiracy. This is one of those times I say, you know what, I'm calling, I'm calling BS. Because the fact is, right now, those top five picks are the Rangers, and not, not in any particular order, but the Rangers, the Red Sox, what was it, the Pirates, the Nationals, and I, I forgot the other team. Baseball is better when the teams that spend the most money are the most successful. And 2018 World Series champion Boston is going to end up with a top five pick. 2019 World Champion Washington, high roller, going to get a top five pick. I think it's kind of sad. Like, I think, look, I, I know a lot of people say that the Yankees, and I don't hate the Red Sox, right? I know several Red Sox fans. You know, Jared Carabas is one of my idols. He's a diehard Red Sox guy. But I do think over the last 10 years or so, I think the MLB really likes it when the Red Sox are good. I think in 2004, when they had that run, that was like the most popular baseball's been over the last 20 years. I think they realized that Boston, that's a huge market. Boston sports are always successful. Baseball's better when Boston is good. And Boston, who has spent the last 18 months committing organizational malpractice, is going to end up getting essentially everything they want because they sucked for 60 games. You, that's not tanking. You want to know tanking? Watch what the Tigers have done. That's tanking. Watch your favorite team for four years put the worst product on a baseball field. That's tanking. And it made me angry because it's like, wow, I hope that 9-5 and five start was worth it. Because you, I'm sorry, you can't convince me that this Tigers team isn't one of the five worst teams in baseball. And I guarantee you, I guarantee you, if they played this thing, 
to the very end, they would lose 95 to 100 games. I know this to be true. Their, half their team is injured already, guys. We got we couldn't even get through a 60-game season without four of their five free agent signings going on the I.L. So we'll see where it goes. You know, if the Tigers end up drafting seventh, you know, it won't be the end of the world. You can still develop, you know, a, a rock-solid draft pick out of that. But, but I think their chances diminish when it goes past a top-five pick, personally. You know, things could change. Maybe the guy will turn out to be a stud and I'll come out here and eat my words. I just think it's the principle of it. I think it's a joke to say that what has been 40% of a season is enough to determine a, a draft order. I think it's insane. But I, I would expect nothing less out, out of Rob Manfred's tenure as commissioner. You bum. Anyway, uh, Tigers play another game tonight. Only a few left. 740 game at Target Field against the Twinkies. On the mound for the Twins, you have Kent Maeda, 5-1, and one, a 2-5-2 ERA. He's been great for the Twins. Though the Twins haven't made any indication about how they will set up their playoff rotation, this start against the Tigers would line Maeda up to pitch the opener of the wildcard series on five days rest. That makes sense. He's been wonderful for them. I wouldn't say a huge surprise, but the fact that he's been their number one guy is a bit surprising. I think a lot of people thought Barrios would maybe take that next step, and he hasn't. I mean, maybe he would have if it's a 60-game season, but Maeda's been very good for them. On the mound for the Tigers, who have Casey Mize, 0-2, 608 ERA. Mize continues his search for his first MLB win in his third start against the Twins, who hit him for five runs on seven hits in seven innings over back-to-back starts. He has struggled so far with his overall command. That's the biggest mystery to me with Casey Mize that I don't understand. Casey Mize was number one overall because of his strike-throwing capabilities, and it seems like he's really struggled with his command at the major league level. I don't know if it's mechanics. I don't know if it's him not trusting his stuff. I don't know if it's because Rick Anderson doesn't know what he's doing as a pitching coach. I don't think you could put it all on that, though. Like Ultimately, it falls on him. And he hasn't really executed. And this is going to be a difficult lineup. All right. Well, I know I've been very pessimistic over the last couple of days. I apologize, but uh, not much to be that excited about. That will do it for today's show. You can follow me on Twitter, at Castellani2014. That's at C-A-S-T-E-L-L-A-N-I-2014. There you'll find the link to my YouTube page. Please subscribe to that channel. It would be much, much appreciated. You can follow the show on Twitter at Lockdown Tigers. While you're at it, go to Apple Podcasts, go to iTunes, leave a positive review of this show. It would be much, much appreciated. Thank you very much for tuning in. I will see you right back here tomorrow. Have a great rest of your day and go, Tigers.